Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. Well, he's very careful about what he says about Putin. He has at times been fiercely critical. There's one, one time I quote in the book where he said that Putin's political party, which is called United Russia, was just as bad as the Communist Party under Brezhnev. He's criticized Putin for cracking down on free speech. But on the other hand, Gorbachev has said a couple of times that Russia almost needs a period of authoritarianism of the kind that Putin, well, at least in the beginning, was laying on. Now, why would Gorbachev say that? It's almost as if he learned the lesson from his own time in power that democracy in Russia will take much longer than he had hoped to come to be. There was one moment where he said, uh, and I quote this in my book, he said, it may take decades for Russia to become a democracy. And he continued... It may even take the whole 21st century. Well, that's a hell of a thing for somebody to say who tried to democratize Russia in a few short years. I think, alas, he has come to realize in a way that he did not before that Russia was not ready then and probably isn't ready now and won't be ready for a long time for the democratic institutions that Gorbachev tried to introduce into the Soviet Union. What makes for a great political leader? And did Gorbachev change the world? Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. It's lovely to have your company this evening. Well, on tonight's show, we're going to unpack those questions with American political scientist, teacher and biographer, Dr William Taubman, whose latest book, Gorbachev, His Life and Times, has just been published by Simon & Schuster, where Bill highlights... Gorbachev always needed a response, praise, support, sympathy and understanding, which served as a fuel for his vanity and self-esteem, as well as for his creative acts. Bill goes on to state that despite Gorbachev's extreme self-confidence, that he was a good man with decent moral instincts. So how did Gorbachev become Gorbachev? Hello, my name is William Taubman. I'm the author of a new biography of Gorbachev. It's called Gorbachev, His Life and Times. It's, it's really the first full and comprehensive biography of Gorbachev. And it's the second biography of a Soviet leader that I've written. My first was about Nikita Khrushchev. And both of them actually are, were reformers. Khrushchev, uh, of course, fell from power, as did Gorbachev. And that may say something about the resistance of Russia to reform. Really well done on the book, uh, Bill. I have to say it was a phenomenal read, not in, in terms of its expanse, but some of the ideas that you throw out as well. And what really jumped off the page, it seems, was that Gorbachev had quite a personality and quite a sense of humour. Um, you open the book in a very intriguing way. You open the book with the words of Gorbachev. I think he said it to you, referring to himself in the third person. I think it was around 2005. And he said something on the lines of, Gorbachev is hard to understand. And it's a very intriguing comment, isn't it? Well, you know, when I heard it, he said it to me in the intermission of a concert uh, that I was attending. It was a concert in his honor. And uh, he said, I've been working on the book for a year. He said, how is it going? I said, slowly. I said it apologetically. And he said, that's all right. 
Gorbachev is hard to understand. <clears throat> and I laughed. Um, he has a sense of humor. But I knew immediately when I heard those words that I would use them in my book and that they would probably appear as they do as the first words in the introduction. Uh, I thought to myself, there are two possible meanings, related meanings to what he said. First of all, it's hard for other people to understand Gorbachev. But the even more intriguing possibility was that Gorbachev found himself hard to understand. And I think both things are true. Bill, I'm just wondering, why do you think it is that the world is so deeply divided when it comes to understanding and uh, looking at the legacy of Gorbachev? Because in the West, he's seen as a bit of a hero and uh, somebody who opened up uh, the Soviet system. Yet in his own country, he's seen as somebody who brought about the collapse of the Soviet Union. So I'm just wondering, how do you explain that? Well, I think you've just explained it, actually. That is, we admire him in the West because he in effect, uh, destroyed what was left of Soviet totalitarianism. And he introduced the basic framework for democracy in Russia. That is a free election, a functioning parliament, and free speech. Uh, now, that hasn't lasted, unfortunately. That's another question, which we might get to if you want. But in, the, in Russia itself, a lot of people resented the fact that, first of all, uh, the economy got worse rather than better. And then the system collapsed. The country disappeared. The Soviet Union disappeared along with its empire. It ceased to be a great power, and it turns out that Russians value that. They want to be a great power. They miss their empire, and so they greatly resent Gorbachev. Most of them do. Some of his um, political aides and opponents absolutely despised his self-confidence and his self-belief. And um, while that's very, very clear, from reading through the, the biography, it seems that, you know, in one way you could see that maybe to a degree Gorbachev was a bit of a narcissist, but in another way he was just a very radical thinker and a very driven man. So I'm just wondering, how sure of himself was he and how driven was he? Well, you know, there was a uh, Soviet psychiatrist who never treated Gorbachev, but who observed him closely and described him as a narcissist. Well, when I heard that word, it didn't sound right to me because, you know, we think uh, we think of somebody like Donald Trump as a raving narcissist. Gorbachev wasn't like that at all, but he was indeed sure of himself, fully self-confident, overconfident, in fact. And I believe that that led him astray. It led him to think that he could democratize a country which had never known democracy in a few short years. It led him to think that he could control the communist hardliners who didn't like what he was doing. It led him to think that he could defeat Boris Yeltsin, who challenged him. And all of these assumptions turned out to be wrong. So in that sense, his overconfidence was a fatal flaw. But I'll say one more thing. It was the overconfidence that allowed him to try to attempt to reform his country in the first place. Others would have thought, no way, there's no way you can democratize a country like this. But he thought he could. Do you not think, though, Bill, that you could put that charge at a lot of political leaders, whether it's looking at hubris, arrogance, um, you know, amazing self-belief? Because most political leaders that come in have vision and they want to make change and they want to make change in their name. That's true. Uh, I think Gorbachev had the advantage of being this kind of leader in a country in which he also had immense power. Uh, 
After all, this was still a fading totalitarian system in 1985 when he took over. And therefore, he had the kind of power that leaders in more open, pluralist, democratic systems don't have. Uh, he did not have, did not face constitutional constraints. He could operate without a rule of law. He tried to create a rule of law. So the system was more open to his making this grand attempt than it would have been uh, in a more democratic uh, uh, arrangement. You describe him as a remarkably decent man and you say that decency showed in his family life. You met um, Gorbachev, Bill, I think it was about eight times and your wife is a a well-known Russian language expert in in America and I think she helped you with a lot of the translations. I'm just wondering, your own good instinct, what did you make of him? We liked him very much. Um, We had these eight interviews with him, about two hours each. And we found him to be remarkably natural, informal, warm, with the sense of humor. Uh, if I had interviewed more world leaders, which I have not, I could compare him. But I don't think, I just can't imagine reacting the same way to, uh, I don't know, um, to well, certainly to Donald Trump, to Charles de Gaulle, to Margaret Thatcher. I mean, there was something... There was something natural and easygoing about Gorbachev. He is a he is a, a good man, a nice man, a decent man, too decent, I think, to have been the ruler of a country which is used to czars and dictators. Bill, you have a very interesting quote uh, that you uh, go into detail on. Um, it was one of Gorbachev's closest friends, and he described um, Gorbachev as insufficiently decisive and consistent. It's an interesting take, isn't it? Well, it's it's something I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, I mean, Shak Nazarov knew him very well. Gorbachev tried to change his country and the world, and he largely succeeded. And he did it at great risk to himself. He, uh, he might have been overthrown at almost any minute. Now, how can you describe that as indecisive? I think that was bold and courageous and decisive. But he was hesitant about particular policies at particular moments. He could never quite bring himself to opt fully for uh, what was needed to create a market economy, for example, whereas he was much more decisive about opting for mostly free elections. So he was decisive about the main things, I would say, and hesitant uh, about some of the uh, means to get to the end to which he was committed. It's interesting, Bill, when you think about the fact that when Gorbachev got into power, most Western leaders uh, distrusted him and his country, yet he was able to turn that, that entirely around, which is, it's incredible when you think about it. Do you think we could argue that um, he ended the Cold War? Yes, I think it is absolutely fair to argue that. I mean, in this country, the United States, there are a lot of people who claim Ronald Reagan ended the Cold War, or at least that he deserves equal billing along with Gorbachev. Uh, I have a kind of thought experiment which proves the, my point. That is, let's say that, um, that Gorbachev uh, had been hit by a truck before he seized power, and so he, he never did. I think if Gorbachev had not been there and Reagan had tried to end the Cold War with somebody else, it would not have happened. Whereas, reverse this uh, scenario... 
Let's imagine that Reagan is not there and Gorbachev is trying to end the Cold War with, well, President George H.W. Bush. I think the Cold War would have ended. In other words, Gorbachev was the key to ending the Cold War. The American presidents cooperated with him, but without Gorbachev, they themselves would not have been able to end the Cold War. It's clear from the book, though, that um, Gorbachev and Reagan uh, got on very well. They naturally clicked. They had very good chemistry. And within all of that, then, you could argue maybe that they were lucky in that fact, because had they not got on, given all the other obstacles that they faced, um, you couldn't have imagined it, it going as smoothly as it did. Well, you know, I read the transcripts of the Gorbachev-Reagan negotiations, and they were largely sterile. Reagan would keep making these banal uh, uh, jokes. Gorbachev would pretend to laugh or was obviously... Um, at one point, Gorbachev went back to talk to his aides uh, after a meeting with Reagan, and he described Reagan as a primitive, as a caveman. So the question then, it becomes precisely the one you asked. Why did they get along so well? And I'd say one reason was that they agreed on a fundamental political point They both wanted to abolish nuclear weapons. But more than that, even more than that, I think they clicked on a personal level. Uh, The personal chemistry, I think, reflected the fact that they were two similar people. They both grew up in humble uh, beginnings. Uh, Even their marriages were similar. I have a couple of pages in my book where I describe and compare Reagan's marriage with Gorbachev's marriage. The two men were both optimistic, confident, uh, even serene in a certain way. Their wives were both sensitive, vulnerable, uh, and uh, high-strung, more worried than their husbands about their husbands' careers. Now, I think they sensed that they were two of a kind, and they liked each other. Bill, one of the um, uh, chapters in the in, in the in the book um, that I really enjoyed was when you go into detail about uh, Reza and um, the romance that they had in their college days. Um, you know, they met in university. Um, their parents were from very different backgrounds or very different family backgrounds, and I think both their parents were somewhat against them getting married. But they got married very young. They had uh, such a committed and loving relationship, and it seems from how you've written the book that um, Gore. Gorbachev's life started and ended with her to a degree. And it got me thinking, could he have achieved everything that he achieved without somebody like uh, Reza by his side? No, I don't think he could have achieved what he achieved without someone like Raisa. Um, I think this is, I, 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 I imagine, two profound influences she had on him. One, she was a, he describes her as a maximalist. And by that, he meant that she had principles which she refused to compromise, so that I think she drove him and pushed him. Uh, he describes himself as a maximalist in the beginning, but then he says he became a politician and had to learn <coughs> to compromise. Well, I think <clears throat> sometimes he was right to compromise, sometimes he was wrong to compromise, but she was by his side all the time. He consulted her on almost everything. And by the way, that was probably a mistake to admit that to the Russian people, including a lot of Russian women who didn't think she had earned the right to be the the co-president of her country. No one had elected her. Um, So in this sense, she was part of his strength. The other way in which I think she 
buttressed him and supported him was that she loved him deeply, and she was a kind of emotional. Um, she was when, at tough times. She comforted him. She supported him. She was a kind of emotional buffer for him. I don't think he could have survived all the pressures and all the slings and arrows thrown at him if she hadn't been there. And I would add this, that oddly enough, in the end, he was better able to uh, slough off the criticism that came his way than she was. She was more vulnerable. She was more sensitive. Uh, And in the end, she was the one who suffered more from the troubles that the two of them encountered. I think, in a sense, she was... She was a perfect first lady, a modern first lady, Russia, Soviet Union, and never had one before. But temperamentally, she was unsuited for that role. And I think it took its toll uh, on her health. Raisa died at 67 from leukaemia and um, you quote a very moving um, statement that Gorbachev made and it's it's unbelievably intriguing and um, shows you what type of a man um, he really was. Gorbachev said something on the lines of after she died that I am guilty, I am the one who did her in. Well, I think what he was saying was that he realised that he had pushed her to give up her career as a, an academic, to become, in effect, a political wife, uh, to suffer uh, all of the attacks that, that were directed at him, and in the end, to be felled by them. I mean, the real tip-off, is, well, two things. In August 1991, when there was this famous attempted coup to oust Gorbachev, and he and she were held under house arrest at their villa by the Black Sea, she had a minor stroke from which she never really recovered. And then after he was ousted, he insisted on running for president of Russia in 1996 when she begged him not to and other friends advised him not to. And they were right. He ended up getting less than 1% of the vote. But she stuck with him through the whole campaign. He campaigned in 20 cities uh, in two months. And in some of these places, people spat in his face or in one case, uh, one person slapped him across the face, and she had to go through with all of this. She didn't have to, but she did. Uh, she had, earlier on, when he was the Soviet leader, before he was forced out of power, she had wanted him to retire. She told him that he had accomplished what he could, and now it was time for them to find a cottage by the sea and settle down, and he never would do that. So when he said, I am guilty, I'm the one who did her in. I think he had all of this in mind. Do you think he will carry that guilt to the grave? Well, I I think he will. He has said, I've even heard him say this, that he would never remarry because she was still with him and that he would see her again in the afterlife. And this is even more striking from a man who insists he is and remains an atheist. Gorbachev's grandparents suffered terribly under the Stalinist regime. I'm just wondering, um, what type of an impact did that have on Gorbachev? And how did that impact on his political vision, do you think? I think Gorbachev's upbringing as a child had a great impact on him and on his political career. It was partly that he was a first-hand observer, although a child, to the terrors of the 1930s. He was born in 1931. His family suffered through a famine of the early 30s. He lost two uncles and an aunt 
to starvation. Uh, he, uh, both grandfathers were arrested in Stalin's purges and sent to the Gulag, although they both returned. He could see what a disaster collectivization had reduced uh, the countryside to. So although he was a young person, he remembered all of these, and I think this helps to account for his profound anti-Stalinism, which, of course, was a major theme of his political uh, life uh, and of his reforms. But on the other hand, his upbringing was important in that uh, in these terrible times, he had a happy childhood. It's hard to believe, but it's true. His, his father was a wonderful man. I learned this not only from Gorbachev, but from talking to other people who had known his father. Uh, his grandparents loved him. He was their favorite grandchild. Uh, he talks about them uh, as uh, he talks about his father's tenderness. You don't usually hear Russian men described as tender. So what I imagine uh, is that Gorbachev developed this sense of self-esteem, this optimism about the world, even in terrible times, this trust of other people, which is essential to a Democrat. I mean, what is democracy except rule of the people? And in trying to democratize uh, the Soviet Union, Gorbachev was, Gorbachev was trusting his fellow citizens. So I think his childhood is absolutely central to understanding the kind of man he became and the kinds of reforms he tried to carry out. I know um, Gorbachev has described himself as a product of the Soviet system and its anti-product as well. It's an interesting combination, isn't it? It's an interesting combination. I think I can explain it, uh, although it sounds puzzling at the start. Um, Clearly, he was an anti-product of the system in the sense that he became its gravedigger, somehow or other, uh, trained, indoctrinated, propagandized by the system, he saw through it and eventually tried to change it and did. So in what sense then was he a product of the system? Well, for a long time, as his heretical views began to evolve, and until then, he was a believer. And even after he turned against Stalinism, he was a believer in communism. That is, he was a believer that the original goals of communism that Lenin had tried to implement them were worthy of trying to recapture through his own reforms. 